and welcome to Molly Movie Club. I'm Anna Rettberg. And I'm Anna Rettberg. I'm just kidding. I'm Casey Muratori. And our movie today is 12 Angry Men. Yes. My biggest complaint with this film has always been the same. Mm-hmm. It is that there are not 12 Angry Men in the film. It's true. So I feel like not it is... Not all the men are angry. Not all of the men are angry. So in some sense, if you come to this film expecting <laughs> to see 12 Angry Men... You will not get it. However, uh, that is that's one of my only complaints. I love this movie otherwise. It's kind of incredible how engrossing this movie is mm-hmm. for how little spectacle there is. It's really well shot. It's like it's so well done in the sense that like we have one location, basically, and yet there's enough life in everything that's happening in the in the way the characters stand up and move around in the way the camera moves around things that it makes it feel so like active and engaging and i mean that's also just separate from the script itself which is just incredible well i think this is an example of how you can essentially the the parts that are missing from modern movies are not missing from this movie. And I think that's what makes it so remarkable. Well, and also right? the opposite is sort of true. And like the things yep. that modern movies rely, rely on. on to make them entertaining, this movie doesn't rely on and remains extremely engaging. So it is does just go to show like if you have a good enough story that's well executed. I mean, I think it's possible this movie could have been a little more dull if the filmmaking hadn't been quite so good. Yeah, I mean, it depends on which aspects of it you focus on. But I guess what I would say is, first of all, the writing is incredibly strong. It's uh, so strong that this easily could be, you know, a stage play where you have no help. Was it not? Because it feels like it, it was not. That's kind of impressive because it really feels like a play, like something that would have been a play that they just adapted as, as into a movie. I don't think it was a play that was adapted into a movie. I think it was a TV special. That they wrote, <clears throat> I want to say, uh, you could go look at the history of it. I'm not an expert on the history of 12 Angry Men. Um, I did happen to read Sidley Lumet's book. Uh, the director of this is Sidney Lumet. I did read his book on film. Okay. Because um, he wrote one. And it's actually, it's a pretty good book. But uh, I don't remember anything specific about it other than my recollection is that 12 Angry Men was written first as a one-hour drama for television, something like this, I want to say. And then it was expanded into a movie, a film. Okay. And that is the best I can recall. But check Wikipedia or something. Check check something that would be more definitive than my recollection because that's just my, my brief recollection. Either way. The writing is definitely strong enough to be a play where you would watch this whole thing and never need any of the extra trappings of cinema to keep it fresh, right? It doesn't need anything other than just, like, good actors sitting around a table. The things that the the characters do, the movements that they make, right, the ways they get up and move around the room, all of that is, like, super, super intentional. I mean, yeah. one of the I think one of the most striking scenes in the entire movie— for that would be the scene where the racist guy yeah just goes on this rant and everyone gets up like they basically all get up from the table one by one and turn their back on him and it's just such a powerful scene because it it kind of like captures something about the way that kind of voice in a society might be sort of viewed or something well i think the it's one of the points of the film where i don't really know whether i like it or not 
because it's one of the points, there are a few points in the film where they decide to be a little bit more metaphorical and a little less concrete. Yeah. And it this is a movie that appears concrete the whole way through if you're not paying too much attention to mm-hmm. it. But actually, it has a fair bit of sort of crossing that line. Oh, absolutely. For example, the fact that, you know, the one person who votes not guilty from the beginning is the only one wearing like an all white suit and things like that are obviously not concrete. Like those are not those are things that are embellished versions of reality that aren't really how it would be. It'd be very unlikely, right, for things like that Mm -hmm. to happen. But they are doing some things like that or like when the storm occurs or when the fan is used, like when the the different things that are happening in the room, they tend to coincide with things like like one guy has cough drops and another guy is sick. And, you know, there's just there's a whole bunch of things like this that are are set up to be more literary. And um, so I don't know how I feel about that part. On the one hand, I think it makes a really good shot. And I think they do a really interesting thing with it, which is not everyone gets up. No, no. And this is why I say it's very metaphorical. It's like the people in that room who refuse to listen to that, they get up. The person who's like very methodical and is is extremely like, you know, detail oriented Mm -hmm. doesn't doesn't like, doesn't agree with it, but but doesn't get up. up. And the person for whom this is all just a waste of his time doesn't do anything. He just sits in the same position he was for the whole time. Just yeah. kind of re- well, right. It's true. And it's so true, yeah. I feel like that's why I say like it's kind of like that's one scene where it goes, I would consider like, I don't know what you want to call it, metaphorical, literary, embellished caricature, right? There's some of that in this movie. And that's because I don't know how I feel about it. I don't mind that scene, but I don't love that scene either because I think there is something to the tangibility of this film where most of the rest of the time, it really feels accurate. And that scene doesn't. Like, you can't imagine that scene ever actually happening in an actual jury room like that. And so I don't know how I feel about it. I don't mind it. But it's it's a scene where I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if that was the best choice. Think, it's interesting, but I don't know if it's the best choice. I think one of the reasons I like it is because, like, just before that scene happens, at least I was sort of wondering, I'm like... How do you deal with this guy? Like, how do you get this guy to change his mind, right? Because he's just racist. Like, he's got this yeah. prejudice that no amount of, like, the details of the case are going to matter to this guy. And I think one of the things that's really interesting about that scene is, like, the way in which no one says anything to him. Right. It's just simply by having everyone sort of turn their back on him, he he kind of realizes something about himself that maybe he didn't know, actually. Yeah. I feel like from that moment on, he's quiet, right? He goes and sits at this other table. He doesn't say another word for yeah. the entire film. Yeah. They I, ask him... I think he says, not him, guilty, is all he says for the rest of the movie. And no, I don't think he even speaks. Doesn't he just shake his head? He might. He I don't remember. He just something. He, he just does something to say not guilty. I think they're basically like, do you think he's guilty? And he just shakes his head. I literally yeah. don't think he speaks M- Might be, yeah. Um, and I just think that's a pretty interesting way to have dealt with that character. Because, like... All of the characters are so different and the way in which they think about things and process things is so different and coming from such different places. And I definitely think of them as like representing 
types of people. Yeah, that's why I say like there's there's a certain literary element yeah. to this. Which I love it. I think it enhances it idea. so much because yeah. as you said, you can totally watch it just as the straight drama of like 12 men in a room. Yeah. Or you can watch it as as sort of like a, a symbolism or a, like sort of a metaphor for society as a whole. I mean, even the fact that the men don't have names, right, is is so interesting because it's like they are they are just representing like a yeah. way of thinking about something. Yeah. Well, I think that the so just to talk about that, that literary aspect where it's like they divided up sort of all of the thoughts that a person might have about someone's guilt or innocence and basically assigned each kind of thought you could have yeah. to a different person. And yeah. I really like that. So you've got, you know, somebody who you have someone who's for for whom it is racist like it's basically like it's a observation they've made about a certain uh race of people and they've just they are making their decisions based on that you've got a person for whom it is personal he mm-hmm. he has had the same experience with his son and can't separate that he's just mapping that experience mm-hmm. onto this experience without the details, right? He's just assuming, like, I know what happened with my son. That's what happened with this kid, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, then there's the person for whom they just can't be bothered, right? The guy who just wants to go to the ball game, he doesn't care, right? He do- he At no point, even when he ends up switching to not guilty, does he actually care about this actual process or believe that it's important to think about these things? He, he- refuses right. to think about he it. He refuses to engage with this process ever, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, you've got so many different kind of interesting things they picked to do there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I think you've also got the, they did a great job with the classism as well. Yes. Where you have the the guy who's the stockbroker, who's like very like, you know, detail oriented, but extremely condescending to poor people. Mm-hmm. And the person sitting right next to him was poor, right? And that interplay was fantastic. All of those things, like everyone at some point in this movie tries to say their shortcut for assuming that this person is guilty, only to have someone else in the room have an objection to that shortcut. And I think that's what's so so great about, like I said, the literary way they structured this is that it allows you to hear a real interplay between a shortcut to determining whether someone's guilty and the, per- the, the there is another person in society who also thought the person was guilty. You both you agree, right, that yeah. the person's guilty, but there's someone else whose personal experience is offended by your shortcut. And and the other person's shortcut is offended, you know, by someone else is offended by that in the room. And that uh ability to sort of show like for every shortcut someone else is also making a shortcut but they wouldn't allow yours and it's sort of like by turning that crank slowly over the course of the movie it just really it nicely comes out how everyone had a shortcut but once they had to actually deal with someone else's uh who was not on trial someone else that they don't think murdered anyone, right? Once they had to actually deal with that person and their actual mm-hmm. standing in front of them, talking to them, they couldn't use the shortcut anymore. And it starts to unravel. Mm-hmm. I really liked that structure of it, I- even more so than sort of there, there's a little bit more dramatic stuff in the movie, like with the knife uh, and the walking around the room. Yeah. Those are like factual unravelings. 
those are cool and they help drive the plot forward, but it was it's the interplay of the shortcutting and then realizing that your shortcut offends someone else's real life that, that really makes the movie for me. Well, or the really natural ways in which they set up, like, you know, the questions that are posed. This happens a lot with the 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 final the final juror, the guy who has the conflict with his son, who's the last one. Yeah. There's a, like a lot of moments in that where they set him up by asking yeah. questions where he eventually says the thing that like contradicts his own thought process, but he yeah. still refuses to change his mind. Um, and I feel like that's that's really interesting, too. I think there's also because this is an older movie and it's in, it's all men. And I do feel like there's also this this sort of like masculinity thing yeah that's going on where Which it's they capture of, really well I think. yeah where you're, you're you're dealing with literally like different men and different ways of that be that men interpret like how you are supposed to be a man and like there's this resistance to being emotional on some of their part like trying to sympathize or empathize with this young man is somehow like you shouldn't try to do that right that's like being too emotional um like in and i think it, it keeps them from being able to engage with the the trial like there's this like hesitance to have any sort of difficult emotional like conversation i mean that's fundamentally what's happening with the final juror right with his son like he's he's just angry like he's the angriest by far of the 12 angry men yeah and uh by far and it's just it's like he's he's got such like pent up emotion that he's like refusing to engage with which i would say to uh played brilliantly by Lee Cobb, I think, is the actor's name. Yeah, he's so good. I don't know that actor because I'm not, uh, to be honest, I don't know a lot of films from this time period that I super enjoy. Like, I've seen plenty of black and white films, but very few of them are ones where I'm like, this is fantastic. Uh, so I don't tend to know the actors very well. Um, but the the final scene where he kind of, like, goes through that whole, he basically has just a very long monologue that's just him. It's really remarkable. Mm -hmm. I mean, his performance is spectacular. It's as good as you're going to see. Like, the way he uses his hands and the way he, like, winds up every delivery. the expressiveness of his face. And his face. It's just amazing, right? Um, And I think that that's, again, the second layer of this film. All of that, the really, really smart writing. But then you look at some of the performances. I mean, some of them are just not, you know, are nothing remarkable. But some of the people, I would say the the, the stockbroker guy, Lee Cobb, uh, the um, uh, the guy who's the poor dude. The guy who is the sort of like really logical guy. That's the stockbroker. He's a stockbroker. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he's he's interesting because he he's one of the one of the last to change his mind. Yes. But he's also one of the like most analytical about it. Yes. Where you always think like he's not close minded at all. Yeah. Um, and like that's it, that's different from a lot of the other men who who are very like actually emotional about their reasoning, right? Yeah. Like the angriest guy, the Lee Cobb character, is extremely emotional about his decision making right um like it's an entirely emotional and and same with the racist right like that's an emotional decision. he was actually quite good too i thought yeah, yeah, as yeah. well right like you he he really did come across sounding mm-hmm. like he wasn't thinking but and what's interesting about that is you notice the race is never mentioned so no it's just it's, those it's, people it's abstract yeah. right yes. and they wrote it that way i'm assuming quite intentional so that it was clear that they were just like it doesn't really matter who you're talking about here Mm -hmm. it's just the fact that this person doesn't give whoever that race of people is he's talking about 
a fair shot. And that just kind of makes it, again, more applicable Mm -hmm. across more things. Whereas if it had been specific, Mm -hmm. it would have been less interesting in a lot of ways. Another character who, he doesn't have a very big role to play, but I do think it's it's another interesting role, is the ad guy. Because he's like, he is someone who just wants to go along with whatever the the most common way of thinking is, right? So that like, guy, yeah, because that guy's just, the, uh, when I was mentioning all the different things, I never mentioned someone who's not intelligent enough to grapple with it, and that's sort of what the ad guy is. He just doesn't have, he's not fast enough. Yeah, exactly. He's just kind of so, confused. So what he does right? is he just goes along yeah. with whatever the flow of what it is. So if, if yeah. most people are saying guilty, he's going to say guilty. Yeah. If most people are saying not guilty, and when it gets to that middle section yeah. where it's kind of 50-50, he's like, eh? So it's, yeah. you know, which is totally a type of person, like a person who doesn't have either either the intelligence or the confidence in their intelligence to to do anything but just sort of go with the flow of of the people around them like that's that's a type of person for sure i think the the uh foreign watchmaker yes that guy was a really cool character as well i uh, and i loved how you know which uh, again really capturing a certain personality yes. people who were not born into Having this, you know, the people who appreciate more because they've seen an alternate way of doing things where they didn't have any particular justice system that would give them a fair shake. Having that perspective is also a very common thing. Like you don't know how important this jury duty actually is, but he did. Right. Right. And again, you know, another way to look at this would be showing the importance of all these perspectives like In order to get to their final conclusion, they needed all of these people in a way. Um, Some of them you could argue they didn't need because they were showing apathy, like they were there to demonstrate apathy. But most of the people were there for a good reason in a way. And even the people who were prejudiced were creating arguments that were necessary to confront. So everyone was sort of playing a role in getting to the truth. Even if that role was as an antagonist, it was still necessary to the final conversation because even the Henry Fonda character didn't think necessarily at the beginning that the person was innocent. He was just suspecting that maybe he hadn't gotten a fair trial, right? Yeah. And so it was necessary. Some, In a way, you might also say Henry Fonda might not have fought as hard if there weren't antagonists on the other side being antagonistic right so again it just shows a really great way of mixing a bunch of personalities together and the outcome actually was good even though for a while it looked like it was going to be bad right yeah i think that's really cool it's just it's fantastic writing and and it was really great performances like you said also very good directing i'm sure there's a lot of things in here where they've got different conversations going they got a lot of interesting blocking blocking in business i think your your terms you liked from you learned from red letter media right yeah, there well, it's but like, yes it's the, something that you know you know that's like intuitively you see yes. in movies but i never knew that like i never really had heard of like that i mean blocking i'd heard of but you know what i mean the business yeah, part business like, is the term they use we're just though, like yeah. I always have characters doing stuff and moving around and like and there's a lot of stuff going on right there's there's the like you said the, there's the windows that you're trying and to it's open it's very hot it's, it's, it's very the hot they're getting progressively sweatier the tension is rising because it's hot the fan isn't working there's the water thing there's the bathroom like it's cool in the way that it's like you you want to have that feeling of a little bit of being trapped right because they have they can't leave right they're stuck in this room with each other so you want to have a little bit of that claustrophobic feeling 
And the heat really adds to that yeah. that oppressive feeling. But at the same time, you don't want it to get boring. Um, and and like the characters are are often like getting up and moving around in ways that they you know in real the real world that's not at all what would happen. Like you wouldn't be like jumping up onto your feet every time you had to speak, right? In real in reality, these guys would just be sitting around the table for the most part. But like that's boring. And so they do all this really great stuff with. I don't know, because the one time I got called to jury duty, I never got to serve. Womp womp. Yeah. So I don't actually know. What I do know is that the room that you go into was not nearly as big as their room. I don't know if that's just a much nicer courthouse or if they just, like, used a bigger room because it was going to be way too hard to film a good set of scenes in a room as small as actual jury rooms are. But It it was a pretty small room, though. No, 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 like... The room that I was in for jury impanelment was so small that it could not fit 12 people around the table. <laughs> like, it was tiny. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, Seattle, not a very interesting courthouse. Let's put it that way. <laughs> not great. But anyway, uh, point being, so I don't know. That might just be, it might just be a very, uh, where they happen I'm to be. Sure, I'm it's sure. Chicago th- was where they were, right? They kept talking about an L train. I don't no, think that's. No, it was New York. New York calls it an L train? Elevated train. They call it an L train there? I didn't know that. But I'm pretty sure it was New York because he, he had a game. The That's t- true. It was Yankees. Yankees and You're I think right. they mentioned the Woolworth building they could You're see. You're right. Never mind. So I'm pretty so sure it'd be it was New, New York. York. And they had like New York accents and so stuff. So it might be that New York just has a much more, I mean, it makes sense that more important cities like that would have a more grandiose courthouse anyway. So it might just be that that is what a jury room looks like uh, there. You know, speaking of the court building, I think one of the coolest shots, uh, or the book, well, the book ending shots of the movie uh, the opening is is great. It it um it kind of does that a little bit of the Tampopo thing, just a touch of it, right? Yes. Where it sort of follows one person and then follows another person. It gives you that feeling of there's like a lot of stuff going on, a lot of different stories that we're not even you know we're catching glimpses of. Yes. Um, which is very much like the courtroom or the 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 courthouse thing. There's like yes. a lot of different things happening at once, and it's so well shot, right? It's like it's a one take thing where the camera's like following people, and it's really really well done. And I also love the last shot of the movie. Um, he's like, hey, what's your name? And he's like, yeah. Davis. Yeah. And he's and like, the, I'm Mc, McLaren? Something like, something like that. that. Yeah, well, and it was just that thing of like... And that's like, okay, well, goodbye. Bye forever. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's great. so interesting. Uh, because it, it's also a cool moment because, you know, until that point in the movie, you kind of don't even realize that you don't know anyone's names. And like, and that they don't know each and other, they don't right? know each they, other. Yeah. And they've just had this experience, this really like... Intense. Intense kind of intimate experience yeah. with each other where like they've been vulnerable and revealed things about themselves and other you know what i mean it's like and then they all just go their separate ways and to never see each other again right it's pretty interesting so i do have a complaint with the movie regarding the bookends though okay. i am less positive on them than you are hmm. loved the ending book note but bookend i think that's great the like hey what's your name Davis, <laughs> like they've never known each other's names because they're not supposed to talk about that, yeah, I guess, yeah. in the jury room or whatever. But, um, so I love that bookend. I love the opening where they shoot the like down onto the big, magnificent floor. Mm-hmm. M- yet more reasons why it's much more impressive than uh, Seattle. Seattle's <laughs> rotunda is pretty weak. Um, it was old versus new, man. And they go up and they follow. They, they see people who are outside various courtrooms, mm-hmm. you know, and their thing has gone well. One of them, another person looks very shaken by what they saw. And you know, there's just a bunch of interesting stuff out there. And they pull up to the room. My complaint is 
I really don't like that they showed the courtroom. I do not think they should have done that. Well, the one thing I would criticize is in that same vein, I do not think they should have showed the boy. Exactly. I think showing the the courtroom is probably fine, showing them empty out into the thing. It's really like, I don't think we should see, because it already biases you as a viewer. Like, you see that this this boy, you know, you get this image of this boy with these big, innocent eyes, and he, right, like... That's biasing us, the viewer, and I think that makes that diminishes something a little bit from. Well, the- I also think it works against the whole thing about never saying like what the race of the person is, what they really, what they looked like, all of those things. All of the prejudices are generic in, yeah. when they're stated. So if you just don't so you show it, that, you can apply it to you can imagine all sorts anything, of different things, right? Yeah, you exactly. can, and and I think that's important because that. I I don't think they were trying to make a statement about a specific kind of prejudice. They right. were just trying to make a statement about generic, right? Exactly. And I think that so that, that was a really bad decision. I agree. I actually And totally furthermore, agree. I think that it weakens the actual impact of the audience not knowing what's going on at first. So having all these people file into the room and you kind of find out, okay, this is a jury that's been impaneled. Okay, what's the case? Okay, is it right? It's capital murder, right? I feel like it the fact that there is an an opening scene where the judge says those things and you see the defendant, I think that was a huge mistake. I would cut that. If I was doing a director's cut of this movie, I mean, I can't do a director's cut, I'm not the director, but like if I was doing that remaster, I would that scene would be gone. I, well, it's I, obviously worse. The mm. only good thing about it, which I did like about the scene, is how bored the judge I is. I was just going to say that exact thing. I was just going to bring that up. It's like... It's really important, I think, to setting the tone of how they begin in the in the room. Uh, that the fact that the judge doesn't give a shit. Like, but again, I don't think that was important. I, it was not nearly important enough to for all the things you lost by doing this, because well, it's a yeah. minor thing, and you get that already from the other character. There, are, there are already characters in the jury room who are bored. Yeah, we don't need to see that another person was bored. It's not relevant, right? It doesn't add anything to the story. So it may very well be a good true statement that like judges probably, you know, some of them are very good and others of them are probably just really bored during this capital trial because they're like this is just a waste of time or whatever. Yeah. But the point is that showing that whole thing I think weakens the rest of the drama and they should not have done it. That's my opinion. I agree. Uh, maybe slightly less strongly about the rest of the courtroom part, but definitely showing the face of the boy. So uh, I would point out a couple other things that I don't love about the movie uh, because there are some things I would, would rather they have not done. I wouldn't have had any music in this film. When is there's, there music? There's one or two times where they play music over the the court, uh, the court discussions in the Jury room. I don't even remember that. <laughs> yeah, and it would be much better if they didn't. I feel like they should have just leaned into the Foley. It's a it's a film that is so much better when for for silence, right? You're you're so invested in it, and I think they maybe had they didn't trust themselves enough. For all I know, this could have been like a studio thing too. I mean, back then, right? It's like they said they probably made you put music in there. I don't know. Because it's so spare everywhere else, the fact that there's only music cues in like two or three places suggests to me that maybe their hand was forced because it seems like they were trusting their gut everywhere else and going, this will be more impactful if you just have to sit there mm-hmm. and experience it with nowhere to go. Like there's yep. no music covering it over, right? Yep. Um, it's the opposite of Oppenheimer. Yeah. And um, so I, I really wish they would have killed the music. Mm-hmm. 
And the other thing is some of the way they frame their close-ups, I found a little too silly. There were occasional times when they would cut to a close-up of someone's face and it just looked silly rather than dramatic. Hmm. I think they needed to work on the lensing there a little bit, where they were shooting from. It just didn't. Some of the cinematography I was not a huge fan of. I mean, there's there's definitely a few elements of this movie where it feels a little dated. Some of the performances have a little bit of that old yes. school. I don't mind it, though. Uh, that I didn't mind as much. Um, but I know what you're talking about. Like, Absolutely. I think a lot of movies from this sort of era, there's like, it feels like acting was sort of at a crossroads mm-hmm. where you get some people doing the more just like, I'm just saying the words kind of in a way. <laughs> and then you have get people who are actually like emoting and there's sort of a... A mush together. I don't think anybody was bad in this movie. I think they were all good. And they all the characters feel so, like, distinctive visually. They did a great job with the casting, I think, to get... The faces are all, the faces like, are all recognizable. Really, and the way, they, yeah. the way they dress. Some of them wear yeah. glasses. The different suits got a hat. Like, it's just... One guy's got a cold, so he's always dabbing his nose. I just feel like they did a really great job of making everybody um, feel, like, visually distinct i uh, i absolutely think that the the writing and the casting there d- goes an extra- incredibly long way because i agree with you that there's definitely some performances that are super weak they're very old school like you say and there's just not much happening there there's not they're not bringing very much to it mm-hmm. but i do think that the writing picks up a tremendous amount of slack there because the writing is so good mm-hmm. It's like you can kind of overlook it for me. I'm like the writing. The writing fills in the gaps where the performances are not that good. Well, I right? think the, the ensemble together just works so well too. Um, right, because there are great performances happening. Just exactly, not for everybody. and it's like, yeah. and and there's lots of different interactions that are happening. There's there's only a few characters who ever get a monologue. Right, a lot of yeah. the characters are just here and there saying things. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have any complaints about the performances because I think as a whole it all works so well. I think also that one of the things that probably helped tremendously with this, it, my recollection was that the writer went to jury duty and mm. got this idea from actually yeah, having been there. That makes sense. I seem to recall that was what happened or a co-author of some kind or something. I don't remember if it was the main guy or not. But uh, the thing about that is... I think they also managed to, perhaps because they'd actually been there and seen it, they nailed all of the minutia. Mm-hmm. The guy having a cold, the guy get, having cough drops, the guy who had tickets to the ball game, the guy who uh, was looking at the stock uh, market. The, the ad guy's like doodling. The ad guy doodling. The guy who uh, tells his story, like when when Henry Fonda's at the window and the foreman comes up mm-hmm. and he tells his completely meaningless story. And he's like trying to just like communicate with this guy. He's just trying to do it's something like small friendly, talk, kind of, right? Yeah. All of those things would be really. It, all of those things are good examples of things writers are no longer able to do. Like you don't see that. that none of that will happen in a Disney film. They don't understand how individuals like interact anymore, mm-hmm. right? And so these aspects that capture the real feeling of these people in a room they put enough of those in there to make it feel really tangible because you could have written this more like a david mamet or a quentin tarantino thing would have still been good but it wouldn't have felt real yeah it'd be way more heightened right yeah it would have felt more uh like one of those slick kind of 
uh, yeah, caricaturist versions. This, for all of its literary sort of things, like I was sort of saying, it it, it takes a lot of liberties, li- literary liberties, you might mm-hmm. say, where they're doing things intentionally to make it be a little bit more heightened, a little more symbolic, a little bit more dramatic. Actually, it also tempers that tremendously with a lot of realism and simplicity and the uh, the sort of mundaneness yes. of ordinary people's personalities, real people in the real world, it captures that and puts that in as well. So while we do have the sort of larger than life things occurring as well in some of the places of the film, we also have the this is just real life in it too. And it, that combination, I feel like, makes a really unique experience. It's very rare. And a lot of times writers have a hard time capturing that. I think it also captures sort of like the inherent awkwardness of this situation because yes. it's like, you know, these are these are just normal people, you know, these like sort of like civilized men. Do you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and it's like they just want to kind of be like the small talk thing you were just talking about. It's like their nature, their instinct is to generally be kind of cordial with people they don't know. But they're put in this situation that's like making them have to butt heads with each other and argue. And, and non-hierarchical and, as well, like unlike the rest of their lives where they either have a boss or they are the boss mm-hmm. or whatever, there's no clear power dynamic between any of these men. Well, you can see a lot they of have the men, to work it out. And a lot of the men are sensitive about that mm-hmm. exact thing. They don't like being talked to by, by – there's a stranger here mm-hmm. talking to them in a way that feels like too harsh or, or – Condescending too condescending or something. Or yeah. too, like there's, there's egos at play. Yeah. Um, and all that's also feels really realistic and really interesting. Well, and you and, also see their natural opinions of how the hierarchy should be working, and they argue about that as well. So, for example, one of them is very sensitive to the fact. Uh, in fact, the the sort of the the more brutish guy, the guy who threatens to to like lay the other guy out if mm-hmm. he talks bad to the old mm-hmm, man, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he thinks that respecting your elders is incredibly important. Like he's, he says like this, the old man should be treated with respect, right? Well, that's, and the, what, and the, that's his opinion. And I think right? it was, it was it the immigrant guy who says to one of the other characters, he asks like, why are the, 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 one of the characters asks like, why are you so proper and polite? And he's like, cause I was raised the same reason you are yeah, the way yes. you are. Like it's, it's like, Oh yeah. You know, some serious shade being thrown. There. Yeah, yeah. So they had like you got to see a lot of like all these different opinions again, capturing lots of different ways that people might think in yeah. society and putting them together in a room is just mm-hmm. this great opportunity to have all these crosswise interactions between different ideologies and different ways that people live their lives. It's it, it's it really is just absolutely remarkable writing and uh you know it's hard to think of something better written than this movie it's yeah. just so good they don't have anything to work with mm-hmm. there's nothing there there's no action sequences no big reveals nothing is there no twists nothing mm-hmm. it's just 12 people in a room who have different opinions about things and it absolutely is riveting for the entire time it's amazing i mean I, i've seen this movie many times me too and every single time I am completely absorbed and engrossed in the thing. It's so good. Yep. And you also got to see how, like, their different experiences in life bring information into this trial. Like, uh, yeah. the the poor dude knew about knives. Yeah, Nobody he, else did yeah, because he knew how a switchblade why would they, they never yeah. had to know about those things, right? Um, and or, or like the L train, like they know how loud it is. Because the architect had lived there when yeah. he was going to school, I guess, or whatever, yeah. right? He yep. had lived next to an L train. And it, it again, 
in a way shows why having 12 randomly selected people on a jury is actually kind of an interesting idea that can be kind of important because it's like if you don't have enough people who have different experiences with different aspects of things they may not be able to understand the things that are actually going on in the trial because it's just too uncommon and there's too many gaps yeah. and clever lawyering can yeah. you know kind of convince them of something that well, they wouldn't think was ever true if they'd actually experienced it, right? I think it also it also sort of highlights like the problem of like apathy in the system too, where it's like if you hadn't had the Henry Fonda character in this room, right. like they they would have just said guilty and gone about their lives and never it never would have become like this intense debate. Yeah. And there's going to be like so many trials that happen where nobody even really they just the, no one cares. Like no one's priority was actually trying to figure out what what they actually thought. Like a- everyone was basically just thinking, how do I get out of here as soon as possible? I just don't really care. I'm disengaged with this process. And it was interesting too the way that like the different ways that like some of the characters got into it and engaged with the conversation pretty quickly. Like some of them were like kind of enjoying it. You could tell. Right. And then there a lot of them were just totally resistant. Include like the guy in the hat, the baseball guy was just until the very end. Yeah, he like, never. never, ever, ever cared. Yeah. Just because that's probably most people like most people try to. I mean, you experienced this when you went to jury duty. Most people are just trying to figure out how to get out of jury duty. Yeah, I I found that to be incredibly depressing. And the entire reason that I didn't get to serve jury duty was because of this exact apathy. Like we got impaneled and so many people on the jury like were trying to get out of it that they had to disband the jury and do a reselection. So I didn't get to serve jury duty. That was it. Yeah. Because once you get impaneled, once you get sent home. And so I never got to serve jury duty. I was like so excited to serve jury had never been called in my entire life. It's the only time I've ever been called. They've never called me again. And uh, yeah, I I don't really understand. I've never really understood it because serving jury duty is like one of the most important pillars of, of the American justice system that exist. And to the extent that it doesn't work that well, it doesn't work that well largely because of all the freaking apathy. Like if, yes. if all the, you know, people in society who are really uh, good at figuring out intellectual things or stuff like that think that it's beneath them to serve jury duty, then that's a good way to ensure that your juries are always filled with people who aren't so good at those things. And you need everyone there. You need the people who are very smart and very organized and all those sorts of things who are people who feel like they should get out of jury duty oftentimes. Well, those people need to be on the jury too. It needs to be everybody. And so it's really disappointing, especially when you consider how many people then get out of jury duty and go home to to listen to some true crime podcast. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's like the only reason you have these true crime podcasts is because not enough people were impaneled on juries who actually gave a crap about finding the right thing in the beginning, right? It's yeah. like we would have a much better um, criminal justice system if people took jury duty as seriously as they took listening to podcasts about crime. Absolutely. So, well, but I think, I think 12 Angry Men... This has obviously been a problem with jury duty probably since the beginning. Yes. And I think 12 Angry Men captures that perfectly, too. Like, including the way the judge talks about things at the very beginning. It's like everyone is just in their own world and 
prioritizing their own their own needs and um and yep. like jury duty is not about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are many problems with the criminal justice system obviously, but uh what you see transpire in 12 angry men is sort of a best case people really really working over the case and making sure that everything was actually buttoned up so that the prosecution had to do their actual job and not kind of a slipshod job uh well i think i think in in the case of 12 angry men too it's really interesting because this is like this was a death penalty case so it had this added element of like these men were sending a person a boy a young man to his death and they were not grappling at all with the weight of that at first. No, they absolutely weren't. And I think this movie also gets at something else about the criminal justice system, which I think is important to remember. And it's it's captured very well in this in this movie, even though it's kind of an undertone that's not really explicitly part of the arguments usually, which is that oftentimes I think people have a they have difficulty understanding or internalizing the idea that when you are deciding someone's guilt or innocence in a trial, you're deciding their guilt or innocence for that crime. So the boy who is on trial, we kind of know, was actually a criminal. Yes. So he is guilty of something. He was guilty of other crimes, perhaps. Well, they, the, they mentioned, I think, he had he's had assault charges yeah, in his past. Yeah, she stole a car and, or something like this. Yeah. I mean, who knows if those trials were fair, but I mean, let's suppose that he actually did. So you're making assumptions about who this person is. One of the problems with you know, if you really want to internalize criminal justice properly, you have to understand that it only works if you are actually asking the question, not is this person a criminal, meaning someone who you believe has committed a crime, but do you believe they committed this crime? And I think that was also in this movie, because I do think a lot of times people go to jail for crimes they didn't commit because they committed some other crime and people are sensing that about the person, right? They're making a value judgment about the person saying, do I think this person is capable of committing a crime? Right. The answer may be yes, but that doesn't mean they committed this crime. Exactly. So I feel like that's a really hard thing to internalize, too. And I think that's an undercurrent of 12 Angry Men. It's mentioned explicitly a few times, but it's also underlying the whole thing. It's like, OK, maybe this person is guilty of something. But were they guilty of this? Right. And the answer in 12 Angry Men certainly seems to be no. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the movie is so insightful and so good at capturing something so true about Many things, many things about humans and the way we interact with each other and think about things and like kind of function as a society. And I could just watch it again and again. Yeah. And I have. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I have. Yeah. I got the Criterion version. It looks fantastic, too. If you I mean, I'm assuming most of the versions you you would find now streaming or whatever are the like restored, rescanned version. It looks really good. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything else to say? I feel like that's probably kind of it for me. I don't think so. I Yeah, like I said, love the film. Have a few things I wish that they hadn't have done. Um, but beyond those things, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's just an absolutely uh, perfect film otherwise, you yep. know. And, and the things that I'm complaining about are cuts. It's like I would cut the music. I would cut that first courtroom scene. Yep. So the actual it's literally just like some removals. That's yep. it. Yep. I, I love everything else. I love once they get into the room. Yep. It's pretty much just gold, uh, for, you know, with with a f- with the few musical things I didn't quite love uh, aside. Yep. Yeah. Great film. 
Great film. Absolutely great film. Definitely a classic. One you can watch over and over again. First Sidney Lumet we've done. I think so, on the yeah. Pod, on the podcast. I believe so. Uh, we haven't done any of his other classics. No. Nope. Uh, so I'm assuming they'll come up at some point. So I think that's it for 12 Angry Men. Um, next week we'll be doing Magnolia, which I've never seen. Ah. So that'll be interesting. You tend to like Paul Thomas I Anderson. Do. So I am guessing that... Either you will also like Magnolia or, and this is controversial, or it will be the one outlier for you because it feels, Magnolia feels a bit different to me than his other films. Magnolia and Punch Drunk Love are both things that are both, I feel like, a little bit more departures from what you typically think of as a Paul Thomas Anderson. So I will be interested to see... uh, what you think of Magnolia. This will be very interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the annotate. All right. Well, that's cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. Um, so we will see you next week. Yes, we will. We'll see you back here for Magnolia. Bye. Take it easy, everybody.